A Sports Fix Tuesday with Tommy coming up. Lots to get to. Before we start the show, DoorDash is something you should be using during this pandemic. We are in our house. We've used DoorDash, you know, a number of times since the pandemic started, probably three to four times a week, if I'm being honest, with the boys being home. Uh, It's a great way to, to handle your dining needs without worrying about cooking or going to restaurants. You've counted on restaurants in the past. Now they're sort of counting on you. And while their dining rooms are half filled or half open. They're open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. And ordering is super easy. You just open up the app, choose what you want, choose your restaurant, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting from DoorDash. Many of your favorite local restaurants are open through DoorDash. Just select the app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, my listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter my code KevinDC. That's $5 off your first order of $15 or more, zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code KevinDC. Don't forget, that's code K-E-V-I-N-D-C for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. It is a Sports Fix Tuesday, the first one of football season. Tommy hasn't weighed in on the Sunday game on the podcast yet. He wrote a column. We'll talk about that. There was breaking news Capitals-wise this morning. We will get to that shortly. Two uh, Monday night games last night that were interesting for multiple reasons, and we'll go through that. And we've got a lot more. I mean, it's just... It is a menu of excellence today, Tommy. There's plenty on the menu of excellence, and we could start anywhere, and it would be great, but I think we should start with the breaking news from this morning that Peter LaViolette was named the Capitals' new head coach. Um, He's got 18 years of experience. He's taken three different teams to the Stanley Cup Finals. He won it with the Hurricanes, Carolina, in 2006. Uh, Ironically, the team that he's been coaching for the last six seasons he took to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2017 lost to the Penguins, and that is the Nashville Predators. He took over for Barry Trotz in Nashville when Trotz came here. Um, He is the veteran coach that I think everybody expected McClellan and Ted to turn to after they got rid of old Reards, Todd Reardon, after the 4-1 series loss to the Islanders. I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. Um, I think it's also, Tommy, an indication that they've got to go for this now. They've got a veteran team. The window's closing. They needed a veteran coach to take advantage of what, you know, Ovechkin and company have left. And I think it's, it's an admission, although you'll never hear from transparent Ted, that they screwed up about hiring, about not keeping Barry Trotz. Because now they're back. Here it is, three years later, and now they're going to pay a coach for the next, what, three years, what they were going to probably have to pay Barry Trotz if they had <laughs> yeah. agreed to keep him. Right. So basically, they're right back to where they started except they wasted two years of the Ovechkin era to get there. But 
I think the admission that they screwed up by not retaining Barry Trotz came when Reardon was fired. This is just, you know, a further emphasis of that. No, point. no, this is this, this, uh, the combination. They could have hired one of Ted's typical cheap minor league coaches, and that would not have been an admission. <laughs> okay, you know? fair but enough. Instead, they hired a veteran uh, guy who was going to cost them Barry Trotz kind of money. Yeah. When they could have had Barry Trot. Smartest guys in the room, baby. Um, the business of happiness. I uh, just read yes. it. I don't know where the chapter on firing Barry Trotz comes in. I don't know how that made anybody happy. Um, but they have a new coach. Look, I you know, I'm not gonna sit here and break down what Peter Laviolette is compared to Trotz or compared to um, Reardon. Um, what I've been told and what Joe Beninati, Joe Beninati was on and that I was listening to other guys who have been on is that, you know, Barry Trotz was probably a better coach and they should have kept him. I mean, this is obviously something that they should not have done um, in hindsight, but that LaViolette has done a really good job. Like, he's a turnaround guy. He goes in, he turns it around quickly, and he wins. Um, I don't know that this is a turnaround job. In fact, I would I, I would certainly describe it as the opposite of a turnaround job. You've got it teed up in terms of having the players and the talent to win right away and make a run at the cup. Um, we'll see. Uh, Joe B. described him as very intense, very intense guy. Um, but, uh, you know, he's getting the money that Barry Trotz should have gotten two years ago. I mean, the big question, though, is whoever the coach is, is who's going to be the goaltender. doesn't appear it'll be Braden Holtby who's right. going to be a free agent. Uh, and that, that could have a huge uh, – that's going to have a huge impact on this team moving forward. So uh, there's a lot of question marks. Uh, you know, Kuzi, uh, whether or not you re-sign him, uh, you know, that, that's a big risk. Uh, there's a lot of question marks besides the coach for this. I mean, but again, you know, I mean, the bottom line in some ways is they got their Stanley Cup. You know, they could have had more maybe, but they got their cup. So they're always protected by that. Yeah, that is true. Once they won the cup, I mean, in this city, because it was the first championship in, you know, in what turned out to be 26 years. Um, right, well, 2018, 91 to 20, so whatever, 27 years um, in terms of the four majors. Um, you know, I love when I when I say that, Tommy, and I get stuff from, you know, the Mystics people and the soccer team people. I'm talking about the four major sports. I mean, we can be adults here, okay? Um, the Caps were the first major sports winner in this town in 27 years. That bought them. Um, the ability to make uh, a, a few mistakes or even lose for a while. It's just that they made such a stupid and a big mistake. And it was a penny-wise, pound-foolish mistake, which is typically the mistakes that they make. I mean, I say that, you know, I, I say that about Ted a lot, and yet he paid his basketball coach, um, Scott Brooks, seven million bucks a year. You know, um, well, that's a mistake in the other direction. I, it's true, but I, it's Paying not a mistake in the cheap. So much money. It's not a mistake in the frugal category. Um, no, it's not. Anyway, 
Uh, we'll see. It's not hockey season. We don't know when hockey season will happen. I think I mentioned this to you. I had Tark El-Bashir on the radio show a month or so ago. It was during the Caps first round series with the Islanders. And he mentioned to me the, the economics of hockey, which I was not necessarily familiar with. And he essentially said, if fans aren't allowed into the arenas, there's not going to be a 2020-2021 yes. hockey season. Yes, yes, yes. Like, they won't have it. They won't be able to afford that sport. They don't get the TV revenue that the other state sports do. And even the NBA. Uh, listen, I've been told that the NBA, by reliable sources, is not going to start their season until March. They're going to, until they can be sure they can get fans in the arena. They desperately want those fans. And the NBA has a far better TV contract than the NHL does, and they're still desperate to get fans in. Well, desperate enough to, to basically, you know, boot kick uh, Christmas and wait until March. <laughs> yeah, Christmas is a big NBA TV um, day, but no, you're right. I mean, hockey apparently needs live gate more than any of the four major sports. And basketball is very, especially when you're talking about those franchises that haven't been very good. Um, they absolutely have to have it because um, they're, you know, even their local TV deals aren't big enough. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I. I don't know that that hockey can start. Look, hockey right now we'd be gearing up for the start of the hockey season. Obviously, we're we're just getting to the Stanley Cup Finals now, but I, I it'd be interesting to see what would happen to the Capitals and the older players. You know, the the Ovechkins and what that would do if if his next season wasn't until twenty twenty one twenty twenty two. You know, if that was the next year, uh, if they yeah. postpone this season. Anyway, oh, um, he'll go play. He'll go play in Russia then. Yeah, that's true. I'm uh, sure they're playing in Russia. But I'm I'm talking about you know his Capitals career yeah, and the opportunity he has right. here. Uh, before we get to your column and your thoughts on Sunday's game, um, and I've got a few additional thoughts as well uh, that that did, we didn't talk about on the podcast. And if you missed Cooley, Cooley is on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays on the podcast, and he had his breakdown and recap with me yesterday uh, on the show. Go listen to that. Um, real quickly on the Monday night games. First of all, wow, what a pleasure it is to listen to Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit call call Monday night football's first game last night. They are just so good together. Uh, the 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 terrible booths that, that that Monday night football's had for a while now. Now I liked Sean McDonough and I liked John Gruden. They didn't get along, but I thought it was a pretty good broadcast. Um, but the recent Tessator Booger Witten Tessator Booger McFarlane last year, it was really second rate. Um, Fowler and Herb Street are among the best. They have incredible chemistry. Herb Street's really good at not stepping over Fowler. They just have great chemistry, and it was a brilliant broadcast last night for two guys that do college football, but obviously they're football fans. That first game, so Washington was clearly the most impressive defensive team of the first 14 games of the weekend. You know, the Thursday night game and then the other 13 that were played on Sunday. Then you had two more that were played last night. Tommy, Pittsburgh's defense is so good. It was so good last year. But 
it was exceptional last night. And I'm going to give you a stat line from Saquon Barkley that you just never see. I mean, I could be wrong, and somebody could provide me with a bunch of examples that look like Saquon Barkley's stat line last night. But this is how good Pittsburgh's run defense is. And by the way, their pass rush is is amazing. Um, Bud Dupree is one of the best pass rushers. And, you know, he's got the young the youngin in, in, in Edmonds and also uh, T.J. Watt. They are really loaded on defense. And last year without Ben, I, I told I, I think I said this to you at one point, I thought Tomlin did one of the best jobs in the NFL because they won every game because they got to 8-8 eight and eight because of their defense. But they held Saquon Barkley last night, who you could argue is a top two, three running back talent in the league, if not the most talented back in the league. Saquon Barkley had 15 carries in the game for six yards. Six. I don't know that I can ever remember seeing that, and I'll explain why. Typically when you can't run, and it's obvious you can't run the football against the opposing defense, you'll get a back, a big-time back like Barkley, that'll get you know six, seven carries for four yards or seven carries for eight yards. And then because they're not doing much, they're going to have to resort to throwing the football, and that'll be it. The Giants attempted to stick to the run in that game because the game was actually within reach for much of the night. But 15 carries for six yards – That's how dominant Pittsburgh was up front. He averaged 0.4 yards per carry. I've never seen a stat line from a great player like that. Again, you've seen seven, eight carries for five yards or, you know, six carries for seven yards, not 15 for six. That is that is really unique. Pittsburgh's defense was dominant. The second point from last night's game is, man, did Roethlisberger look good after the first quarter and a half. He was rusty. He was off. They got him into rhythm at the end of the first half, and then he was Big Ben. And he's got some weapons. You know, People want to say, well, without Antonio Brown, it's never going to be the same. And that may be true. The, the rookie from Notre Dame, Chase Claypool, had one of the best first catches of a career you'll ever see. Tight roping sideline, catch, you know, pulled it in, dragged the foot. Um, he's a big target. You know uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know James Washington. Um, they added Eric Ebron at tight end. And then their running back, Benny Snell Jr., who I loved coming out of Kentucky, looks like he's the guy and not James Conner. I'm, I'm spending time on Pittsburgh because I think a lot of people, you know, um, thought that with Roethlisberger back, if it was Ben again, the real Ben Roethlisberger, that their defense was good enough to contend for a Super Bowl, even in an AFC with the Chiefs and the Ravens. What you saw last night, if Ben stays healthy, is a team certainly good enough to, to, to win 10, 11, 12 games. Th- that's how dominant their defense was. It was, it, it, it was the best defense next to Washington's defense, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, did you watch any of that game, and did you have any thoughts on that game? I didn't watch any of the game because I had a social engagement last night. You did? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, dinner at my son's house in uh, Baltimore. Right. Uh, for my wife's birthday. So oh, I didn't watch any... happy birthday, Liz. Okay. So I didn't watch any of the game. Let me ask, was this a situation where they just said, you know, we don't, we're, we're going to let Daniel Jones try to beat us. We don't care about Daniel Jones. 
You know, if that's the case, it worked because Daniel Jones had two, one soul-crushing interception. Um, It came at the end, Tommy, of a 19-play, nine-minute drive in the third quarter in a game that was 16-10. to So they had a chance to take the lead on this incredible drive where they had converted four third downs and a fourth down. And then he threw the worst interception you'll see under pressure by Bud Dupree, just threw it straight up into the air and it was picked off. Um, You know what, though, Tom? Daniel Jones makes made big mistakes last night, as he did last year. He's also very talented. He can play the position. I don't know if they'll ever be able to coach the bad plays out of him. I mean, he's really young. Maybe they can. But he's got real talent. Uh, he's not... He's not a he, – the, the, picking him in the first round with his level of talent I don't think is much of a reach. I don't, I don't know what he's going to amount to be, but the, the, the turnovers are killers. But he's, there's something to Daniel Jones. He can play. He can play. Okay, do the Steelers have enough to challenge the Ravens? I mean, I, I think so. I mean – Defensively, they definitely, you know, are as good as the Ravens, if not better than the Ravens. You know, they were so good defensively last year. Um, you know, and and that was with a terrible offense with some guy named Duck playing quarterback. Remember him? Um, they really, they really have incredible defensive talent, um, and you know, they're well coached and they're disciplined. And so with Ben back. Yeah, they can. I mean, I think they can, definitely. Well, that's that, that's going to be an interesting, uh, a very interesting race in the AFC because the Ravens. I didn't watch their game on Sunday, but I mean, they they cleaned and they they wiped the field with the Browns, thirty-eight to six, and Lamar Jackson looks even better supposedly than he ever has. I know. At I know. This point. I mean, people wondered what it takes to get a, uh, you know, I mean, his quarterback rating should have been maybe the highest of all time. Uh, so uh, that's going to be interesting moving forward because I think the Ravens-Steelers is, is still is the best rivalry in football. You know what? It is the most fun to watch when they're big games and they really didn't have any big games together last year. You know, and we've gotten used to over a decade plus of – two and sometimes three Ravens-Steelers games a year that are all meaningful. Um, yeah, Lamar Jackson was ridiculous on Sunday. The, Cooley and I were talking about it yesterday, Tommy. There were a couple of just outrageous performances on Sunday, one of which came from Jay Gruden's offense and Gardner Minshew, who went 19 of 20 and threw three <laughs> touchdown passes. In a win over the Colts, but my but the best performance of the weekend was Russell Wilson's at quarterback. Yeah. 30, 31 yeah. to thirty five for four touchdowns. I I think that that team is the NFC man has got some. It's going to be interesting to watch the NFC West. Um, with West all, is going to be at, through the roof. Yeah, the Cardinals, Seahawks, Rams, Niners, and then this. I think the Bucks actually. You could see some of the talent, and it's just going to take them some time. Um, the North is packed. The East right now doesn't look very good, but it was only week one. Um, we'll get to that. I, I wanted to just mention about the night game last night. So the night game was Denver and Tennessee. 
Um, first of all, Tennessee did it last night in a way that they didn't do it during the pre uh, postseason last year. Remember, Ryan Tannehill basically barely threw the ball in the playoff wins against New England and Baltimore. I think in the two wins, he had 29 pass attempts combined. He was like 15 and 14 in the two playoff wins. Last night, he threw the ball 43 times. Um, and Derrick Henry got it 31. I mean, that tells you just how dominant they were with uh, time of, of possession in the game. They ended up, uh, I think, with like a six, seven-minute advantage in time of possession. But the story of the game, there were two stories of the game. One was uh, Steven Gostkowski, the, the, the kicker for Tennessee, who was the longtime kicker for the Patriots. He missed three field goals and an extra point and hadn't made a kick and was asked to go out um, with 17 seconds left and kick a 25-yard field goal to win the game down 14-13. Um, when you've missed three and an extra point in what is, Tommy, right, Denver, a very kicker-friendly environment at, in, at a mile high, um, you could tell there's a shot of Rabel, the coach of, of Tennessee. Uh, they have a fourth and one. They tried to throw a touchdown on third and one instead of you know running the ball and forcing a timeout or more clock and then kicking it. They, he, he wanted to score the touchdown. He did not want his kicker to have to go back out there. But then on fourth and one, there's this shot of Rabel um, having somebody in his ear and him, I think, for a brief moment considering going for it rather than sending Gustkowski back out there to kick the field goal. But he, he decided against that, and he put the kicker out there, and he made the kick, um, and they won 16-14. But my God, um, Vic Fangio, who I think is a great defensive mind and defensive coordinator and has been for a long time. A few, a few clock management problems there? Oh, my God. I mean, this is just – it's amazing to me, Tommy. I mean, every year, every weekend in football season, um, you just get guys that are making millions of dollars a year with the responsibility of putting their team into the best position they can to win the game and then doing the most boneheaded, dumb things of all time. This dude, Fangio, as Tennessee got into field goal range, let me be clear, they got into field goal range with a minute 50 left in the game. Now, their kicker had been awful. But still, you always plan for the worst. You never want to be left with no time left if you fall behind in that situation. you got to use your timeouts on defense to ensure that if this guy finally makes a kick, you've got a chance to respond. Tennessee got into field goal range with a minute 50 left. Then with a minute 33 left, they ran Derrick Henry for a big 13-yard play down to the Denver 16-yard line. The play ended with about a minute 27 left, and the clock just continues to roll. Fangio's got all three timeouts left, all three of them. Um, And they don't take the timeout. The clock goes down. Uh, Derrick Henry runs again, and then he doesn't call a timeout after the first down play where the ball gets down to the 12-yard line. And then Tennessee actually calls a timeout with 31 seconds left. And the reason they call the timeout at that, at that point is they were thinking, maybe we should try to score a touchdown instead of settle for the field goal attempt. And I, I heard some people trying to explain Fangio's actions of not calling timeouts on defense to ensure that his team had enough time if they fell behind on a field goal as saying, well, he was expecting Gostkowski to miss again. Okay, well, that's great. If he does, 
that's fine. You have the ball and you're up a point. And yeah, there's a chance you might have to punt it back. But wouldn't you rather have punt it back to them with 20 seconds left and they got to go, you know, 50 yards to get into field goal range? Or maybe you run the clock out versus not having any time left when the field goal goes through. Well, he didn't use any of his timeouts. They kicked the field goal. 17 seconds left on the fourth down after the field goal. And that was only because they threw the ball in third down and it was incomplete. They were trying to score. Um, and, you know, he took two timeouts with him. He used one on the final drive and he took two timeouts with him into the locker room. He should have had roughly a minute 10, right? Or no, no more, no less than a minute left um, had he managed it correctly. And that would have been time for Drew Locke to get his team into field goal range. You're in Denver too. You don't need, you know, the, in Denver, the the truth is you're you're talking about with that guy McManus who's got a huge leg. You probably only have to get to about the 45 yard line, 40 yard line before you can attempt something. Um, but they didn't even get it close. Uh, just egregious clock management, you know, buffoonery. It's unbelievable that it happens every week. I, it's really, it's really, it's amazing to me. And I, you know, I think about Tommy when Coach Thompson. It's one of my favorite stories with him. I was doing one of these, you know, clock management things with you on the show one day, and I walk out of there, and he goes, "Motherfucker, you you think you'd have, be able to deliver under pressure?" And he's just laughing out loud as he walks into the <laughs> studio, and he gets on the air with Doc, and he says, "Did you hear Coach talking about how you know how they refer to me as Coach?" And 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 uh, and, and Coach Thompson said. Man, it's so easy to do it on radio. I'd like to see him on the sideline with the clock looking. He'd be he'd be caught in in like just gazing <laughs> at the clock. He'd choke under pressure. It was funny. Um, but you know these of course, things. Of course, you, you wouldn't, would you? No, I wouldn't. I would. I'd be able to handle it. <laughs> um, I'm the I'm the basketball coach. I've told this story before. I'm the basketball coach that called the timeout that we didn't have that put the opponent at the free throw line um, with uh, two free throws to tie the game, force overtime, which happened and we lost the game. <laughs> Uh, that's one of my favorite uh, youth uh, basketball uh, coaching stories. I turned to the scores table, Tommy, and I said, how many timeouts do we have? Because my assistant coach wasn't there, and I was coaching the team by myself, so there's my excuse. So I turned to the scores table, and I said, how many timeouts do I have le- left? And she, and, and she goes, you know, this young girl goes, you have one left. And so I said, timeout. And so um, well, I'll, I'll tell you what the situation was. It, we, were, um, we were basically up two with a half a second left, and my guy was at the free throw line and up two with a half second left. I didn't want the other team to be able to get a shot off. And with an inbounds pass, they would have been able to get a shot off. So I, um, I called timeout and I said, Hey, just miss it on purpose if you can. And then the, you know, there was like 0.5, you know, whatever left. And so, um, the the referees come over and then they come over to me, uh, coach, you didn't have a timeout left. That's a technical foul. I'm like, excuse me. They said, you didn't have a timeout left. I said, I, I, and I looked at the girl and I said, but she told me I had one. And she just, she turned, she looked away from me, Tommy. She wouldn't even look at me. And I, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, I don't have an assistant coach. I'm not keeping a book for the game. And I asked the scores table if I had a timeout left and they indicated that I did. So we, we need to, you know, 
Uh, sorry, Coach. You know, the bottom line is you got to keep that. It's the, not the scores table's responsibility. And um, they made the two free throws, and then my kid now needed to make the two free throws – or needed to make the free throw. He missed the game, went to overtime, and we lost. <laughs> So there wow. you go. There's your there's your your, your coach Sheehan well, you, clock management, score management, timeout management uh, expertise. I probably would have uh, choked. You know, here's here's the part of that that I, I find hilarious, and maybe it's because I'm, I don't do youth basketball anymore. <laughs> yeah, that you have an assistant coach to coach a youth basketball team. Well, we we had. Um, <laughs> It's funny, uh, Mal- Mal- my man Malcolm ha- uh, Hollensteiner, who by the way is a seven footer and played at Harvard, um, is you know was was my assistant for this one particular team that I coached for many years, and he was r- such a good guy, and we had such a good time doing it together, um, but. Um, it was yeah. I, mo- most teams that take it seriously, Tommy, and when I say seriously, I mean as serious. You know, it's not rec league, but it's you know travel, playing AAU tournaments, playing um, higher level tournaments. Most uh, of those teams have an assistant, if not more than one. Oh my um, God. Yeah, but uh, there were many games where I couldn't show up or he couldn't show up, and that's really why uh, we got along so well, and he did such a great job anyway, and it, it was so much fun to do it with him, but we had to have two of us because we, we weren't both always there. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Well, when, when Coach Lavero coached his only season of youth basketball, he did it without an assistant, and he won the league championship. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Uh, I'll never forget that, though, Tommy. And what was really funny is I, 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 got, I got upset. Like, I, I told the referee, I said, this is wrong. I'm like, you, you know, I, I can't – I didn't have my assistant today. I understand the rules. But they, everybody here, including the other referee who had then had his back turned because he was at the scorer's table, the other referee was, when I asked. He knows that she said, yes, coach, you have one left. And I wouldn't have called, I didn't need to call the timeout. It wasn't like it gave me any extra significant benefit. Um, and then, so I, uh, anyway, it was, it was actually like a big game too. It cost us like some seeding in that tournament, I think, or I forget, I forget exactly what happened now. It's a long time okay, ago. Okay. What I, would you have done if you were to coach on the other team and the referee said, was listening to this argument and said, okay, okay, I understand. You made a mistake. We'll let it go. What would you have done if you were to coach? I would have pretended like I didn't hear any of it, and I would have sent my best free throw shooter to the free throw line to shoot the technical free throws to try to tie the game. (laughs) That's what I would have done. I would have have sent my youngest son, who was a pretty damn good free throw shooter, to the free throw line uh, to knock down two free throws and send us to overtime. That's what I would have done. Of course, I mean – but, you know, I'll tell you what, if it were like a summer league game or wasn't that, you know, something like that, I would have said, I heard him. You guys do what you want to do. But she, you know, but I also it was one of those situations I remember specifically the woman, um, she was a younger girl and I didn't want to make a scene because I could tell how badly she felt. And I actually I think when the game was over that week, I sent the uh, the league head a note to make sure that that girl knew that, you know, it, it I said, Make sure that she's not upset about what happened. It's only a game. Everybody makes mistakes. It's not a big deal. And I think I saw her like two weeks later, and I said, you know, 
whatever. Um, she didn't want to look at me when I walked in, yeah. and I said, "You can look at me. Her. You can look at me. It's it's not the end of the world. We're all breathing. We're all alive. It's you know people make mistakes. Um, anyway, uh, all right. Um, I want to get to your column uh, and talk uh, about uh, the game Sunday. Before uh, we do that, I want to tell you about Ernest. Right now, interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. By the way, that's for you students or you adults that have student loans, but it's also for you parents that are handling the student loans for the kids, or you've got kids that have student loans. Interest rates are at an all-time low. We know that. It's fueling a red-hot real estate market right now, and being able to refi your student loan is an opportunity that doesn't come around very often. You should be thinking about it. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you can reduce that payment by refinancing with earnest. Even if you've refinanced before with today's low rate environment, most people will save. Checking your new rate is fast and easy. To start, you just complete a few questions online. It takes two minutes and then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. If you want to change your monthly payment, combine your loans into one easy payment and get a better rate. Earnest makes it easy. And by the way, there's no origination fee or any other fees. The internet loves Earnest's customer service. They've rated it a 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. And right now, you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance your student loan with earnest.com slash Sheehan. All right, that's the promo code Sheehan. Once again, a $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash Sheehan. It's not available in all states. Go to earnest.com slash Sheehan for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest's student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC NMLS number 1204917 California Financing Law License number 6054788 303 2nd Street Suite 401 North San Francisco California 94 107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. I forget what your prediction for the game was on Friday, on Thursday. What did you predict about the opener? I didn't actually, I didn't, I didn't make a prediction on the game. Oh, but I think it was obvious that, that I didn't think that, that, uh, the Washington football team would have a chance. No, because you, your season prediction had changed from from yeah. somewhat six, optimistic six to, to less. Yes. Right. Yes, it did. So, uh, but I didn't make an exact prediction of the game, but it wasn't too hard to figure out that I thought they had no chance. <laughs> so, I, I was I was certainly proven wrong on that. Uh, but uh, did you read my column? I did. I did read your column. And and is there anything you want to say to me about anything in the column? Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it. Is that what you were looking for? A, a response? No. What? What? What no. is it? It sounds like you're specifically wanting me to respond to a specific part. Well, when I said that this was a win, uh, this was an example of the difference in the coaching staff uh, between Ron Rivera, right, and Jay Gruden, right whose tenure always smelled like a one loud and hangover. 
<laughs> yes, that was very good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, You're that, not going to give me props. For no, that? that that is an that's an excellent line. I also got a little bit hung up on the Joe Banner thing and saw that you retweeted that, which which we we can we can get to. Um, keep in mind, Tommy. I just want you to know this because I've never told you this before. I'm reading the columns, your columns, on that just incredible website that the WashingtonTimes.com has. It's just not the easiest thing to do all the time. I know you understand this. And so sometimes yeah. when you're reading, you're reading along, and then you get, you know, basically you click accidentally into an ad, and then you got to restart it. And I, I try to get through it as quickly as I can. I love your columns, but it's just, it's not, a, it's a very, why haven't they fixed that yet? Can you explain that to me? No, I can't. I can't explain that to you. But I, the only thing I can say is, the juice is usually worth the squeeze. <laughs> well, that's debatable. I feel that way um, most of the time. I do, but it can be a pain in the ass. Um, but yes, uh, old, old, old Jay, he liked to hang out late nights at One Loudon, didn't he? Yes. Yes, he did. And he wasn't the only one either. No. Uh, so uh, that's all. I mean, that's, that's, let's listen. I don't care if you like or don't like anything else in the column. That was that was my that was my my golden moment right there. I just wanted to make sure that you caught it. Um Yeah, like I'm looking through it again and I'm just trying to find where you wrote it again. <laughs> oh, I see what's going on now. I see what's going on now. Oh my God! This is so frustrating. Do you know what? Ha- do you know what happened? I thought I read no, your. I, I, I thought I read your column, but your link takes me to the Matt Paris column. It does not. Yes. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yes, it, it does. does. I read the Matt Are Paris column. Me? Okay, let me see. <laughs> Oh, and now now I've gone past the number of free articles no, no, for the month. No, 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 no. You're so full, but I, I've got the link in front of me. I'm reading it right now. The link that I sent you. Well, I just took it from your your Twitter page. The link no, from your Twitter I, page. I, I, and now I, now I, I, I. By the way, now I have to subscribe to this. Now it's subscription based. Listen, you only get so many articles. It's not free, Kevin. It's always just been like, free to I mean, me. Just, well, there you get so many articles a month. I okay, so let me let me be very clear now. Why didn't you click on the link I sent you in the email? I clicked be, because I just went to your Twitter account and clicked clicked on that, and it took me to the Matt but Paris I, column, and now I try well, to click I on it again. I, because, I retweeted what Matt had written, so you obviously like. Like some blind <laughs> drunk. You didn't even look yeah. at what you were clicking on. I'm a disaster. But I can't read it okay. now. It won't. Hold on. No, now you can't. No. Now, now you don't deserve to. No, now I'm, you don't deserve no, to I'm gonna, You know, it, it doesn't take that long to read your columns, which is great. Um, read the, e- the did you email. E- did you email me? Did you email it to me? Yes. Jesus. 
When did you, you email know, am it? Am I speaking Chinese here? <laughs> What's the problem? Okay, here it is. I got it. But it's, oh, God, you're, this is, you're, you, you are just as bad as I am. You send me an email, all right, read my column, and then you don't have a link to your column. Actually, no, the, I sent, I sent you. You sent me the URL, and I've got to copy and paste it. Can't you just sell the, send the URL ready, already highlighted to, to, to link to it? Oh For crying God. out loud. Oh my God! Last night it was. Oh, and now I can't read it because I've got to pay. I got to pay a buck a month. I've reached my limit. Screwed up the timeout. I've (laughs) I've reached my limit on the WashingtonTimes.com. You know about reached my limit. You know what? I'm going to have to read your columns. You're going to have to cut and paste and send them to me. I read to you the only the only part worth reading. I read to you the only part, the part that's the most worth reading, Well, is the yeah. Jay Gruden one loud read. Well, the reason I remembered that line is because you included it in a tweet, because I read it in a tweet that you had. You know, well, I, didn't... I read it in a tweet that I had to promote my column. I understand that. that tweet, my column was on that tweet. Uh, I understand that. Now, when you brought up the quote, I knew that I had read it because I saw that you had tweeted it. And then I was going back to look at the column again, which I read before the show this morning. And that's when I just discovered that the column that I actually read was Matt Paris's column from the Washington Times, not yours. You know, it's amazing you find your way home every day. <laughs> it my, really is. My, my wife probably feels the same way. All right, tell me about your column now that I'd have to pay to read it. Well, basically, I said this was a coaching uh this was the difference in coaching. This was a coaching win. And I right. gave Dwayne Haskins a lot of credit, a lot of credit for his composure when the team was down seventeen to nothing, and the there seemed to be every reason to fold up. Uh, he didn't, uh, and I think that was a big part of the win. In that, you know, he didn't have any he didn't have any interceptions. He didn't, you know, help, he didn't hurt his team. In that way, so I gave Dwayne Haskins a lot of credit for his performance on the field on, on Sunday. And basically, Carson Wentz, uh, you know, just basically folded like 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 a lawn chair. Was the Reds the, the football the Washington football team was clearly in his head at one point. Uh, totally different quarterback in in the second half, and. Uh, I said, you know, that the defense was great. Dwayne Haskins was great. Uh, but I reminded everybody who still owns the team. And if they needed any reminding, all they had to do was read the Wall Street Journal that morning and see in his email interview with them that this is a guy now, this, this owner is so out of it right now, he doesn't even care what the team is named. He could care less. I didn't I didn't see that story. Um I I will read that. Tell me tell me about the the journal story. I I I I saw it. I just didn't read it. Was that from when was that from Monday? I think it came out Sunday. Okay, came out Sunday morning, and uh, he did it. He answered some emails from the journal reporter, and one of them was, "Hey, you know, if the fans like Washington football team, we may keep that as the name." Well, I told you that, that I talked to somebody in the organization that indicated the same thing, that this was something where if it worked out, um, they may keep it. Um, that, 
you know, again, I my my response was, well, you should have done FC Washington or Washington FC. That's an easier brand than three words, you know, Washington football team. And you can see the joke that people are making. I mean, just to, yeah. just to see people refer to them as football team is just the dumbest thing. And people know it's dumb. Like I, I, I people have tried to tell me, Sheen, you're getting too worked up over this. It's the it's the second part of their name, and when they list Raiders, you know, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Packers, it just pops up as football team. We'll change it to Washington because it's stupid. Why should they accommodate your team? When, uh, because when it, their system works for because, all the other teams. Because it sounds stupid, and it looks well, stupid. It sounds stupid because your team has a stupid name, <laughs> and the owner wants to keep that stupid name. The owner says, hey, I don't know if they all of a sudden, the fans like this, it's fine with me. You know, if the fans got to pick the team, it would, the name of the team, it would be Snyder Tell the Team. That would be the name of the team. <laughs> That'd be a lot of, th- it'd be hard to brand, but hashtag Fire Snyder would be the name of the team. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I just pointed out that, you, you know, it may be a great win. And I, I just reminded everybody, my Surgeon General touring. Yeah. You know, as, as long as this guy owns the team, down the road, nothing is going to change. What's happening uh, with the owner will seep in to the product on the football field at some point. Well, it always does. <clears throat> you know, it's hard. It's hard for some that are listening to hear this conversation today, two days after the win. Um, so I understand that, and I understand how many of you will react to Tommy or both of us when we, you know, go off on the owner. But if if you don't think that Tom's right, you're just really delusional. Um, I'm not saying that he's that that he's he has the right to say that and that it's justifiable to say that. I don't know if it'll turn out to be that way, but you'd be so stupid to assume that it won't. Um, with that said, I, I prefer since we're actually playing games now. Um, and we can talk about games to focus in on the team and the games that they're playing because Sunday was really very interesting. Now, you know, your your credit to Haskins, I'm glad you gave him credit because not everybody gave him credit for Sunday. His his pro football focus rating was was pretty poor. Um, oh, and but his composure was through the roof. I thought. I thought it, so it too. Really was, I think it it helped save the team. One turnover, one interception could have changed the outcome of that team of that game there there is there's no doubt it, it could have and not scoring after they got the two turnovers could have completely um you know uh disrupted uh the game as well or their opportunity to win the game so um you know Cooley was on here yesterday Cooley, Cooley basically said look there were a lot of things that he didn't do well and it wasn't perfect it was far from perfect but He also came through when it mattered the most on big third downs on drives where they had to have it. And Tommy, those are the things that I, you know, I was talking about. Not to you know break my arm, patting myself on the on the back, but those are the things that I saw last year. I saw a guy that just wasn't never never got rattled. He didn't get rattled down seventeen nothing. You know, always believes in himself. Is fearless. Will throw it into traffic. Will take chances. And you know, is a bit of a gamer. You know, and I'll. 
I'll never forget how many of you just mocked me for saying that he played a winning game and, and, and a winning performance when they when he won his first game over the Lions. And, you know, people were fixated. And I'm not saying that it was unjustified to be, you know, uh, to, to be concerned about the selfie uh, when there was still a, a need to take. But he he was clutch. He delivered on big plays, and he did that on Sunday too, even though it wasn't a perfect performance. Now, the Matt Paris column that I thought you wrote, (laughs) that I did read from the Washington (laughs) Times before the show, that you retweeted, um, it's a bad comparison comparing this team to the 2018 team. And I was going to be a little bit kinder to you. I was going to say it's not – a good comp yet. Um, it could turn out to be, but really, my my sense of it is, and and by the way, Matt wasn't the the only person that wrote this or said this. I heard a lot of people saying that was an Alex Smith game. That was a 2018 win. No, it wasn't. It wasn't because first of no, all, no. Because here's another reason why. Uh, one reason is I think we both agreed on that. If 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 the if the team got down, yeah, they couldn't come back. Hello, Smith, they couldn't come back. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. So you start with that. The 2018 team couldn't come back from a deficit, and the one Sunday came back from a 17 nothing deficit. Um, you know, nearing halftime, down 17 nothing. The the second part of it, it was look 2018. I have no idea what this team's going to do right now. I I am very optimistic about the the defense and the future of the defense, like over the next couple of years. And I'm going to give you a comparison I, I gave on radio. It wasn't really meant to be a comparison, but I'll give it to you in a moment. But what I was going to say is this defense is really good. The 2018 defense really wasn't that good. It just feasted on some bad offensive teams. When they played good offensive teams like Atlanta, they got blown the blank out. New Orleans, and then late in the year, it completely fell apart. The Giants scored 40 points and a half on that defense. I will guarantee you, and I will bet a large sum of money, that this defense doesn't give up 40 and a half to anybody this year. Um so, look, the, the defense could be fool's gold, uh, and the Eagles were banged up, and I get that, but the 2018 defense just wasn't this defense. First of all, it didn't have Chase Young, and it didn't have the coaching staff. Secondly, the 2018 team wasn't, you know, they were a run-first team with Adrian Peterson. This team's not a run-first team, I don't think. They got two backs. They're going shotgun. They're 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 trying to toss it around a little bit. Thirdly, um, and this is where you'll probably disagree with me. Haskins just has a much bigger upside than Alex Smith has or had. Now, he's got a bigger downside, too. You know, so I'll, I'll concede that. But I just think he's got a much bigger upside. I, I He's not a game manager. He can manage a game. I think we saw that with Callahan, old, old, old man Bill last year. But I don't think that's the plan with him. You know, off that first turnover, three straight throws, and then the fourth for a touchdown in hurry-up mode. To boot, you know when they didn't have to be. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm answering the column that I think you wrote or thought you wrote that I now know you didn't write. But I'm really answering not only Matt's column, but I heard a lot of that. You know, uh, somebody, maybe JP or maybe it was Ben, um, said that Haskins' numbers were Alex Smith numbers from 2018. Okay, they they were. They looked exactly like an Alex Smith game, but that was not an Alex Smith game. 
Alex Smith and that team in 2018 had about a 2% chance of coming back from 17 nothing down. Just they just did. You're right. And, and by, they didn't do that. And by the way, I'm not saying because Haskins is going to be a great come-from-behind quarterback, but that team in 2018 um, wasn't good enough defensively to help them get back in the game. So anyway, whatever. Uh, Let me just uh, – Matt, Matt Paris wrote a story. He didn't write a column. Right. Well, but I thought I was reading a column, so there you go. You're right. He's a reporter, and he was writing a story, and the story right. was injected some opinion into the story. Um, but yeah, analysis. Okay, as, analysis. As uh, okay, fine. Um, I just thought I was reading your column. <laughs> That's all. Hey, I, I wanted to ask you. I've got a couple things related to the game Sunday that I want to get to here in a moment. But did you like watching football over the weekend? Yes, very much so. I'll be honest with you, Thursday night, watching the Thursday night game, which I did, it, it, felt, it felt like such a sense of normalcy. Yes, I did. I um, enjoyed it. Are you surprised because look at the, you know, if we think back to the conversations that we've had together over the last five, you know, four, five, six months, I, you know, you'd have to acknowledge that you're surprised that we got here. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm surprised that we got. I didn't think we'd get here. I still think they're in for a very rough time, uh, like the medical experts predict for October and November. But I am. I have to concede. I'm surprised that they got this far uh, with very few, uh, you know, bumps uh, along the road. Now, uh, you know, is, is, is do I feel like I have to watch football? No, but I enjoyed watching it much more than I thought I would. So I enjoyed watching football. I think there's inconsistency, which, by the way, there would be in a, in a real, you know, live environment with a lot of, you know, with people at the game in terms of the, the sound. Like the broadcast um, on Fox of the New Orleans-Tampa game, if you were in a room and you were just watching the normal, you know, 50-yard line shot of Brady under center in the Superdome, you know, it's 5.30 or it's 6.30 at night on Sunday night. It's starting to get dark now. And, you know, you see everything and it, it, it would look like the real thing. But uh, and, and it would sound like the real thing. It really sounded good, too. Whoever was handling the sound was good. There were other games during the course of the weekend that just seemed incredibly different and very sterile, very um, almost like practice. Like Now, I'm not saying that the players were playing that way because I thought the players and, the, and actually the quality of play I felt was pretty high on the games that I watched, including last night, um, with energy and intensity and the whole thing, even without the fans. But it was hit and miss. I can tell you this, if I didn't say this yesterday on the podcast, the college games were dreadful. Saturday was really bad. Now, a lot of that was because they didn't have a really good slate of games. You know, I mean, you had Notre Dame Duke. You had, um, uh, at night, Clemson and Wake Forest was the ABC Saturday night game. You know, and, and, and you know, you, you had fans, by the way, Tommy, in some of those stadiums, you know, they were 20 to 25% full. Hell, at Florida State, no one was wearing a mask in the student section. There seemed to, be, to have been a student section. But Saturday really seemed 
abnormal. You know, it was September 12th. You know, it should have been Ohio State at Oregon, Texas at LSU, you know, a bunch of big games, and there was just nothing. And this Saturday, there's not much more to get excited about. Now, this Saturday, and you don't care about this, but we'll have the U.S. Open at least going on um, from Wingfoot. Week four in college football is when you get more of the Big 12 head-to-head and you get the SEC back. The SEC's back on September 26th. Uh, at the end of the month. And that'll be, I think, the first Saturday that'll seem real. And, you know, in a lot of those SEC stadiums, Tommy, there are going to be some fans. There are going to be some fans. It may not be full, but they're going to be there. Um, you know, quick aside, what the what is the Big Ten doing? Have you ever seen anything so effed up in your life? Um, well, they're trying to – they're trying to – they made a decision – and they're trying to fight off the political pressure for them to change it. It's more than coming po- from the White House in, partic- no, in particular. No, it, it's coming from their coaches. It's coming from their athletic departments. Um, that's really where it's coming from. I mean, the, it's the chancellors and the team presidents that made this decision based on the you know what they call the science. Okay. Then stick with it. You know, if this myocarditis, which apparently is a condition that can develop off of COVID, and it's a life-threatening condition, if that's the reason that you've canceled football season, stick with it. But this, oh, we're considering it again? No, we're not. We're considering it again? No, we're not. And then on Saturday, weren't we supposed to have a decision on Sunday? And I don't think there's been a decision made yet. Well, people reported there would be a decision made. True. That doesn't necessarily true. mean there was. Good point. You know, that, that anyone in authority said there would be. Right. There were a lot so. of reports on Saturday and Sunday that said the Big Ten was about to vote to play football starting in early to mid-October. And we haven't gotten any result of that vote right. yet. Um, I did read something. Mar- Maryland is not playing no matter what, it sounds like. That's really interesting, you know. Look, Maryland, Michigan, and, and Michigan State are not going to play, it sounds like, no matter what. Ma- Michigan State and, and Michigan are different. I, I, hate, I, to, I hate to say this because you know how much I love my alma mater, and I love locks, and I love everybody out there, but Maryland has the least amount to lose because they're, they're not a, a big football revenue-generating program to begin with. And if there's TV dollars to share, they'll share in them whether they play games or not, I would assume. I could be wrong about that. And if I'm wrong about that, then they should play. But in terms of live gate, et cetera, um, not to mention that Locks has a super young team. He's putting together one good recruiting class after another. They're probably not ready to be good yet, but next year they might be. Um, I don't know. I, I the college football Saturday was so off. Everything about it just it did not seem like football. Sunday was much better, and I did enjoy it. Um, but there were a couple of those games. Like, I'll tell you, the game last night, it, Herb Street and Fowler were great, but the Steelers-Giants game was intense. But you could really – like, there was no sound to it. I think they need to create that sound and, and maybe a little bit more consistency to it. Um, I actually know the person who's handling it for – FedEx field. I know him very well. I'm not supposed to say who it is and he's not allowed to do any media appearances. Um, but, um, I did send him a quick note to say that I thought he could do better for the next home game. 
that I thought that there wasn't enough timely uh, booing and or cheering. It just seemed to be a little bit off Sunday. So I'm going to try to coach him up a little bit. I'm sure you're happy well, about that. Well, that's good because this is what you would pay attention to. Um, all right. Uh, more on football team uh, here in a moment. But I want to tell you about my bookie. First of all, the smell test this weekend, 2-4-1. and one. Um, I got Denver last night plus the three. Uh, I had the Giants last night plus the six. Um, and a couple of games that looked like wins, Detroit and Cincinnati, really uh, hurt the weekend. 2-4-1, and 2-5-1 on the season. Not very good. Uh, but maybe um, it'll be the reverse of last year, which was last year was start quickly and end poorly. Maybe it'll start slowly and end very well this year. We'll see. Uh, if you don't have a place to wager, please consider my bookie. Um, my bookie is going to double your first deposit uh, on your sign up if you use my promo code Kevin DC. New players will get up to a thousand dollars in free play, and that's designed just to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Um, my bookie's so reliable, guys. They have a great point spreads and money lines and pricing and they pay when you win you don't have to worry about whether or not you're with a a shop that does it and and handles it well they have plenty of futures bets opportunities I mean you may want to get in right now on Washington uh you know to win the NFC East while the the odds are still a long shot because after next weekend those odds may drop um but uh there's you can bet anything you can bet in game you can bet before the game you can bet Straight bets, parlays, teasers, futures, in-game, the whole works. MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC. So, Tommy, this morning um, on the show, I did a call segment um, basically asking everybody whether or not they have rethought their position on this team after one game. Have they recalibrated their expectations? And and as I was doing this, the uh, ESPN updated their power rankings for this week. And Washington was the biggest mover. They moved up seven spots from 31, all right, out of 32 teams, to 24. That's a big move to move up seven spots in one week. I think Green Bay moved up a lot, too. Um, uh, maybe not Green Bay, maybe it was somebody else I'm, I'm thinking about, but, um, somebody else moved up a lot. Tennessee moved up a lot. Um, I think anyway, uh, they moved up seven spots. Good for them from 31 to 24. And I think people were really talking about this team. They were talking about them on the pregame shows leading into Monday night football last night about a defensive performance that was really one in which it was noticeable to anybody. It's hard. It's hard to ignore eight sacks. It's hard to ignore you know? eight sacks. Yeah. And and it's hard to ignore a seventeen nothing comeback that, that, against a, a team that was considered, uh, you know, well, the team that was a defending uh, conference NFC East champion, division champion. It's also hard to ignore the second pick in the draft who was the highest rated rookie in the league and one of the highest rated players in the league on Sunday in Chase Young. So all of that is true. And so there is, after one game, some buzz about the team. And I, I was thinking about this, you know, 
when the season starts, there's uh, week one. There's always you know an overreaction, and so they 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 may very well fit into the week one overreaction category. It's very possible. But what usually happens with teams that have a performance like that is they get even more attention. Like, if you have a quarterback that lights it up in his first game for 380 and five touchdowns and they win 42 to to 17, that's going to get a lot of attention. And then if you have a defense that has eight sacks, forces three turnovers, and leads a 17-0 come-from-behind victory, that's going to get a lot of attention because dominant defense gets a lot of attention as well. Um which is more, you know, others can, you know, you can pull a big upset off. Like Tampa Bay beat New Orleans two years ago in the Superdome, 48-40 to in week one. Well, Tampa went 6-10 and that year. That same year in week one, Cincinnati beat the Colts, who were a playoff team that year um, in week one. They went 2-14. and um, But there was nothing remarkable about those wins. I mean, it is an indication that you can overreact to things that happen in week one. But there wasn't a buzz like there was with this dominant defensive performance or with Patrick Mahomes in his first game, you know, two years ago for the Chiefs. Um, I I picked seven and nine on Friday's show. That was my predicted record for the season, Tommy. You picked four and 12. I'm not going to go nuts here and start talking about this team as a playoff team or a division, you know, winner potentially. But I do think that defense, you know, travels is sustainable when what we saw Sunday exists. Like, there was an elite player on the field. He, that wasn't a joke. He has a chance to be the best player this team or this franchise has had in a long, long time. The most talented player since Sean Taylor. Um, And you know, maybe even better. And he elevated that defense in so many ways. And the defense already had some talent on it. Um, I think this is a team that we're going to have a competitive season. I think offensively, they're thin. Cooley mentioned that yesterday. It's true. They can't really afford many injuries. Um, But defensively, you're going to be in a lot of games. You're going to have a chance to win some games this year. I'd say in in I'll change it to eight and eight after one game. I know that is such a big mistake to overreact to week one. Um, but the division isn't very good, maybe. Cowboys had a bunch of injuries. The Eagles have are really banged up. Maybe it's the other team's turn to be decimated by injuries. I'll tell you what, to watch Chase Young the other day and to think about that defense against Daniel Jones and the number of turnovers in two games against him, uh, the kind of havoc they could wreak against some of the other quarterbacks they face that are stationary, uh, I I think we saw something that was real. Not playoff real this year, but real. And remind me to give you um, the the comparison that people thought I made this morning. But what is what do you think? Did you, do you think differently after one game about them? Well, I should, but I won't. I still think they're going to wind up four and twelve. I still think everything they've got working against them off the field, from a coach who's undergoing cancer treatments to an owner who uh, is is hiring private detectives uh, to. Uh, to track down people who are trying to, you know, go after him. Uh, I think it's, this is just all going to come into play at some point. I, I, I just don't th- I think the talent 
uh, will be overridden by the chaos. I still think four and twelve. <laughs> you know, this is your prediction every year. I mean, it's always that the chaos will override anything that they may have going for them. And you know, 2018 when they were six and three and they were playing smart football, I kind of sensed that it was a house of cards. But it wasn't the chaos that got in the middle of it. It was a big injury last year. There was a whole hell of a lot of chaos, but we saw that coming. This year, there was so much chaos, but they do have stability other than the fact that he's got cancer at head coach. Well, that's a big, that's a big other than. Yeah. God, I hope he, he is well. I hope because he's such a likable guy. You know what comes into play here with a win like this is my theory that his ability to fight off the chaos, to fight off Snyder <sighs> when – if, he's still, if Snyder is still the owner when they have confrontations, is strengthened by a quick start by his football team. You know, this was my theory. We talked about this a, a while the ago. Joe that, 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 yeah, the Joe Torrey thing. Yeah. If he will become such a revered figure, and you combine that with how reviled Snyder is, that uh, Ron Rivera just could have ultimate public power to basically overcome the, the aura of self-destruction. It's a possibility, uh, but especially because he's such a sympathetic figure. He's a likable figure because he's a, seemingly a very likable guy. He's a sympathetic figure because what he's going through with his health. And uh, through that, if they manage to succeed and get, and get people fired up, he's going to get all the credit, all the credit. As he should. Yeah. Um, he is, uh, it's, oh God, I mean, this is the part where I just, I just want to hesitate and I want to stop myself, but I believed in him when they hired him. I know what the, I, I know what can happen. Okay. Cause the team hasn't been sold yet. Has it been? I don't believe. Um, so I know <laughs> what can, I, I know what can happen, but I, I do believe in him. I just loved his team. I always loved watching his teams at Carolina, um, I did. So, and again, and I, you can't, you can't dismiss this. He's very likable. I mean, people feel after they hear him talk, they feel good. I, I, I agree. I mean, look at, I mean, as great a coach as Mike Shanahan was, he wasn't a likable guy. You know, uh, I like Dorn Mike. Was a, I, I like Mike. But, but he. The, he, was he, he wasn't media friendly. He wasn't media friendly. No. Although you know, people in Denver liked him a lot. I just think I know. Whatever. I'm talking about likable guy as opposed to. I mean, I don't mean he was unlikable. It's just that if you if you saw Mike in it publicly, if you were a fan and you saw Mike publicly, you didn't walk away saying, "Boy, I really, I really like to have a beer with that guy." That didn't happen. I've I've enjoyed my conversations with him uh, over the years. Stop um, it! <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know. You know I'm right. I know. Um, no, uh, I but mean this guy. This guy, he he is he's engaging. He 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 doesn't. He never has yet to appear in anything public that I've seen. You know, flustered or or angry at a question. He's handled every question. Yeah. Uh, he's just, he's just been, and he's, he also comes across as a serious guy as, as opposed to slap happy Jay, who 
seem like a bit of a clown. Not a Jim Zorn clown, but of a bit of a clown. You know, uh, I mean, Ron Rivera doesn't come across like that at all. Look, he, he ta- comes across like a guy who played nine years in the NFL at linebacker. That's how he comes across. You know, in his presser yesterday, um, he talked about a, a couple of things, um, but he he kept coming back to the culture thing. I mean, he kept hammering home sustained culture. This is about this is a process. It may not happen this year. It may be next year. But we're we've started a, a process of changing the culture and trying to create something that can be sustained. You know, I love to hear that because I've I've told I, I've said for years. You know, any NFL team can have a good season, but that doesn't make them a good franchise. Those that are good franchises have figured out a way to have sustained success, and it's a culture that you create. It's a winning. culture culture with good people with smart people doing smart things which is the opposite of what this organization has been like um, for so long because you can you know you can luck your way into a, a five game winning streak in a nine and seven six seed as they've done a couple of times over the last you know two decades but to to have a chance year in and year out to win nine 10 11 12 games and then once out of every three or four years have a legitimate chance to go deep you got to have some real quality people and 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 smart people in the organization and i think one of the things i think's been made very clear tommy is this guy did not take this job naively he knew what he was in for he knew that this was a big job and that the the owner was a major major problem and he had a culture to change i also think the owner through the conversations with Ron and probably Joe to a certain degree as well, blamed a lot of it on Bruce. You know, that that's, that's what happened there at the end is it all got blamed on Bruce, but he talked about culture again during that, um, during that uh, presser yesterday. Um, anyway, uh, real quickly. Okay, one, one, other, one, one other, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to tell you that I was talking about this defense and I was comparing it to the 85 bears this morning on radio. Not that it was going to become the 85 Bears defense, which is the greatest defense I've ever seen um, in my lifetime of watching NFL football. I'm sure you can give me some of those Chiefs teams and some of the Purple People Eater teams and some of the Fearsome Foursome teams that were great too from your uh, early era of watching football. But for me, it's the 85 Bears. But my, my point this morning was, you know, the Bears – it didn't all happen for them in the first couple of years, but they were drafting really good players and they were getting better and better on defense. They didn't have the offense yet until 85. Um, but they had, you know, with Hampton and McMichael and Singletary and Wilbur Marshall and eventually, the, you know, a refrigerator, who, by the way, was a good player, not just, a, you know, a, a sideshow. And, you know, Fensick was their one veteran player, you know, that they didn't draft. Um, Dorson, it was all those guys were drafted by them and they were young. And you saw it year by year how you were like, wow, that's a good defensive team. In 84, they got to the NFC title game. They came to, to RFK and, and, sacked Theismann like seven, eight, nine times and and won at RFK. It was the only playoff game at home that Joe Gibbs lost. Um, and they went to the NFC Championship game, lost to, to the 49ers a candlestick. But those couple of years leading up to 85, you could see it coming. I'm not suggesting that this defense is going to become the 85 Bears defense, but it's basically all drafted. It's very young. 
and it's really talented, and it's well-coached, like the Bears' defense of 85 was. I'm not saying that we'll get there, but it's a process. It won't be at its best this year, even though it could be pretty good. And it might not be at its best next year, even though it could be a lot better. But when you get these guys into their mid to late 20s, if they're all still here and they were as advertised, you you know, two, three years from now, you could have a dominant defense. 85 Bears. That's a good one. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I didn't exactly. Now let's get back to the most important part of this podcast, my column. Okay. There's something else that you missed by not e- simply reading an email I sent you last okay. night that uh, included a link to my column. I pointed this out, a quote from Ron Rivera on Sunday. There are some good football players in that locker room who have not had the opportunity to express themselves as football players. Now, that's a bit of an indictment on his predecessor. No doubt. I mean, it absolutely is. And it's also a sign, I point out, a coach who understands what it takes to play the game in the NFL at the top level. He was a player in the league for nine years, played on that Super Bowl team that you talked about. Yes, he was on the, and he was he on the 85 uses, Bears. Yeah, when he uses the term express themselves as football players, he understands what players feel. This is what Davy. the only other time I ever heard anyone say this was Davy Johnson when he was, you know, uh, managing, uh, managing the Orioles, managing the Nationals. Uh, he was a four-time all-star second baseman, played with two World Series champions with the Orioles. He always used to use the phrase, let the players express their talent. See, that's a connection to players. That's in the mind of what players think. Not all coaches have that. Rivera has that. He understands what it's like to to be, you know, to want to be on the field to show what you can do. And I think that's a real important connection that's going to help him along the way. But that that's not an accidental phrase, and it's a bit of a slap on the people who came before him. Whether he meant it to be or not. It definitely is. And he also had another one yesterday, and I'm going to paraphrase it. But he was talking, he was asked about Chase Young, and he was talking about Chase Young um, and how when they drafted Chase Young, one of the things he said is he said it's going to do as much for the offense as it will do for the defense. And he pointed out that Sunday, the, the field position because of the turnovers and the sacks and everything. Um, but he's, but then he pointed to the rest of the players. He said, you know, those guys were on this team last year. They just had to be put into the right position to succeed. You know, so that that was another shot at, yeah. uh, at them. But, you know, he's not he's not giving us news here. We all knew that the that there was some talent here that was not coached well. And like I feel badly because Greg Minuski was a great guy and by the way has been a coach in the league many times including a D coordinator, but they tried to fire him before last year and he ended up coaching here anyway. Like the whole thing was so dysfunctional going into the season. Um, last year. Uh, I want to share with you this John Kime, Alex Smith stuff, and I'll do that right after this spot from Indochino. Hi, this is Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. When I buy dress shirts off the rack, I tend to end up with shirts that drape off my broader shoulders and look boxy on me. Just the other day on vacation, we took a family photo and the shirt I wore just looked way too big and wide. 
It was amazing how much better the photo looked when I switched into my new Indochino shirt. My wife and I had taken my measurements at home on Indochino.com and sent them in. And my new shirt emphasizes my shoulders, but cuts in so much better across my chest and stomach. I looked and felt way more confident and stylish. With Indochino, you can get custom-fitted suits, coats, shirts, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. And you can customize everything from the fabric to the lining and the lapel shape, even add a monogram. The best part, Indochino's suits start at just $299 with all customizations included. And it's super easy to order and get it shipped fast, no matter where you live. So go visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America, or do what I did. Book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code ATHLETIC. So, Tommy, I was reading this story from Kime uh, from over the weekend, Sunday morning before the game, actually, and I, I made a note to talk about it on the show, radio show, and podcast, um, and I, I wanted to save it for you because we've had so many of these conversations about Alex Smith and, you know, whether or not he really wants to play or he just, you know, and I, my, my whole thing all along, right, has been, I don't think that he really wants to play again. I think he just wants to be able to say that physically he got back to a place where he could play again. That's all, that's, that's always been my gut feel as to what all of this was about. That the team was supportive of his comeback, that he had made an incredible comeback, that he was an inspiration to his kids, to the military people that he met in San Antonio, but that ultimately he just wanted to get back to the point where he could say, hey, I've been cleared completely to play football. I'm physically ready to play football again. But does he really want to go back out there? So Kime did a really good job and had some, I think, some new pieces of information on this story, especially at the end when it got down to the decision to keep him on the roster. And he took you through the whole thing chronologically. I'm going to focus in on a couple of of quotes here from various people. Dr. Robin West, who we know is the you know the team orthopedic surgeon, was a big part of that right. Project 11. Um, she was the one that you know essentially said to Elizabeth, his wife, it should be amputated. Um, that's really what needs to happen here to save his life. I mean, still to think about that is crazy what he went through. Um, she said that. In, in talking to Alex recently, after, it was right after they cleared him for football activity, Tommy. Remember that was the first step in August at some point that they cleared him for football activity. And she said, yes. to, she said she said to him, quote, Alex, no one wants you to get injured again. They saw the pictures and don't want you to go through that again. When someone like Max Scherzer asks me, why does he want to play? And I said to Max, well, you've got the same drive he does. But he says back to me, yeah, but that's crazy. It's football. Um, And then she says, but Smith's drive is something I've never seen. I've been in the NFL 18 years and MLB for five years. I've never seen someone with that kind of drive, closed quote. So Max Scherzer said to Dr. Robin West, why does Alex Smith want to play again? And she said, well, he's got that same competitive drive that you have. And he said, yeah, but... He plays football. <laughs> I'm a pitcher, um, which I think has been so, kind of the point here all along for everybody yeah. that watched that documentary, right? Like, you, you're not playing – this isn't golf. 
This isn't, you know, uh, you're not going to be pitching or you're not going to be in an out. This is football. Fletcher Cox and Aaron Donald this year are coming for you if you're out there. Um, so then the next thing that I carved out of this story that Kime wrote was on August 29th, he had progressed to 11 on 11 work. He had gone from some seven on seven stuff to nine on nine to 11 on 11. And this was, you know, as we're approaching, you know, that period of time where the team's going to have to make a decision on his roster status. And Kime writes, with practice moved indoors because of the weather, Smith participated in 11-on-11 work for the first time in camp. It wasn't a full pads practice, but he took three snaps and attempted one pass. It was a five-yard check-down throw to running back J.D. McKissick. Now, those of you that know that the pro football focus check-down stat was named after Alex Smith, stop laughing. Um... Washington was still on the fence on August 29th about whether to keep him on the active roster or perhaps place him on injured reserve. And then came the next thing that I carved out from the story. On September 1st or 2nd, there was a passionate meeting, Kime described. With final roster cuts looming, Rivera met with Smith privately for 30 minutes. Smith didn't want to go on injured reserve for one big reason. He wasn't hurt. It was either cut him or keep him. Rivera gauged Smith's passion for wanting to return. Smith likely secured his spot right then and there in that meeting, though nothing was official after that day. And Rivera, there is the quote from Rivera after, you know, he said he met with Smith. He was very passionate about wanting the opportunity to play again, very passionate about making this football team. That really stood out to me because it really just showed mentally, I think he's past the hurdle, close quote. So Smith said to Rivera, cut him or keep him. Now, there's one last piece, and then I'll get your reaction, and then I'll give you mine. It became clear, Kime writes, that on September 4th, the night of September 4th, which I guess was the night before the Saturday, September 5th, would that, yeah, it would have been, yes, that would have been right, September 5th, that Smith was going to make the final roster. One source told John that if he wrote that, it wouldn't be wrong. But it was Smith's wife, Elizabeth, who shared the news with those closest to them. She texted West, Robin West, Dr. Robin West, um, though the doctor apparently had known the news for a few days based on her conversation with the coaches. Um, But apparently it was a changing situation all week long, and West was glad to get the message from Elizabeth that he was going to make the team. His father, Doug Smith, said, told John Kime, quote, certainly there were some dark, dark moments. It's been getting brighter, and this is a bright spot for him. He's really excited to see how how far he can get. He keeps talking about how he believes there's more progress in him, more he can gain in terms of his movement and mobility. And then Dr. West, Robin West, said, His wife played a big role. To have someone like that, if you asked us a year ago, we were all like, I hope he never plays. But Elizabeth said the other day, she really wants him to play now. She knows what drive he has, and that'll never be fulfilled until he tries to break all the barriers, closed quote. What what do you make all this? Well, sometimes people have to save someone from themselves. That's what I think of it. What Somebody th- needs to save Alex Smith from himself and not play. And tell him, no, you're not going to play. 
You know, look what you've been through. I mean, you have nothing to prove. You've got uh, a family that loves you that doesn't need to go through this again. Someone needs to save him from him himself. The fact that you believe that someone has to save him from himself is, I agree with, but I would have said to you prior to reading this, they're not going to have to. He's not going to play. But, Tommy, this convinces me that he really wants to go for it. I also think... I think that he's really, he wants to go back out onto the field. I didn't think that before this story. And again, I've said this before, it shouldn't be here. First of all, it shouldn't be here because they've got Dwayne Haskins. Secondly, it shouldn't be here because this organization cannot afford Alex Smith laid out on FedEx's turf with, by the way, nobody in the crowd and an ambulance driving out onto the field to cart him out of there to save his life. Nobody needs that. He doesn't need that anywhere. It can't happen anywhere. But here, it would be devastating. They'd never be able to recover from being the the ragtag, low-rent outfit that put Alex Smith back out onto the field after they knew what he went through more than anybody else. But I think he, I think he wants to do this. I think he wants to do this. And... Um, I also think there's this other, um, uh, you know, part of this, which is, you know, why did the team take up a, a roster spot for him? You know, yes, I, I think that's a yes. A, a, I mean, really, I mean, that I, I, I raised that, you know, when we talked about this before. I mean, uh, will this would this coach really sacrifice a roster spot for some kind of feel good story? It's. Yes, this organization has done that kind of shit before. Now, this is different. This is different because we really haven't had a story like this one. And they probably would have felt, Tommy, don't you think, that there would have been some bad bad publicity with cutting him, too, or even putting him on injured reserve. And I do think they want him around. Um Dwayne probably wants him around. I mean, he, you know, nobody compliments Smith and Smith's mentorship more than Dwayne has. You're but right. Anyway, I, I thought the whole thing is interesting because, you know, he, when you say cut me or keep me, um, he, he wants a chance. I also wonder whether or not if he's legitimately thinking about playing, which I'm considering for the first time in this, if he's like, keep me here. Because I know what Dwayne's got. You're going to need me before this year's over. I don't know. Because um, I, I believe in, 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 in Haskins. I just don't see it with, with Smith. I, I hope he never plays. I hope you're right. I hope somebody steps in and saves him from, from himself. God, there would be nothing worse than him being out on the field laid out again. You know, you know, just, just because he has this drive in him, doesn't mean it's a good idea. Right. You well, know? well, the drive in him leading him to the point where he recovered at a much better and more significant rate than the normal person would, that's great that that drive drove him to the point where he is healthy again, and it's it's healthier than it would have been with you or with me. Um, but somebody should stop him from stepping out on the field and having Fletcher Cox chase him down. Uh, in the pocket, uh, we don't we don't need to see that. No. All right, I've got one more thing, uh, and maybe you do too. Right after this word from Liquid IV. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. 
Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Uh, Last thing, Tommy, is come hell or high water, I'm staying up to watch Game 7 of the Nuggets Clippers tonight. Um, Do you know who Ben Golliver is? Yeah, he's a a writer for – is he writer for the Globe or the Post? No, he writes for the Post. He covers the NBA for the Post. Yeah. And I've gotten to know him a little bit. I've had him on the podcast um, before – Really good guy, you know, really good NBA guy. And, and I was talking to him yesterday um, for a while about a couple of things. I think he's going to come on the radio show before the end of the week. And he said that, you know, these games, because it, 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 I said to him, I go, you're there. You've been in the Orlando bubble for, you know, two months or whatever it's been. Um, are, are these games as intense as they seem watching them on TV? He's like, it's been even better. He said, because... There, you don't have these nights in these playoff games where teams have traveled and you know they, they they're a little bit off and it's going to be a down night in a series. Every game's been so super uh, intense and energetic, and the building's been energetic even with the few people in it, um, but with the teams. And um, tonight you get a uh, you get another seventh game. We've had a couple of them already, and this is going to be the se- second seventh game. Uh, for Denver, and they could become, Tommy, the first team in NBA history to come from 3-1 behind twice in the same postseason to win a series. I'm, I, be, I bet the Clippers at plus 250 to win the title before the NBA playoffs started. So I'm obviously I'm all in on Kawhi Leonard and the, uh, and the Clippers, and they blew a 19-point lead the other day in game six in a game to put them away. So that may come back to haunt them. Um, I I've enjoyed watching these two teams. They are they have so many high IQ players on the team. You know, you've got obviously Kawhi Leonard for for the Clippers and I've been telling you about Jokic. He had 34 points, 14 rebounds and 7 assists on Sunday. But the pressure Tommy is on the LA Clippers. Think about this organization. They've never once, never once been to the conference finals. This is an organization that has had some recent success, you know, in in the postseason, you know, with Paul and Griffin and those teams. But in the history of the, the, the four professional sports, has there ever been a team or a franchise more downtrodden than the Clippers were for about a two, three, four decade period? I don't even know how long it was. And this is the year. 
that people are absolutely convinced that they can win a title. If they go out before the conference finals, I'll tell you who it's a major indictment on is Doc Rivers, who a lot of people really like as a coach and have always liked and love personally. You know, but if he does not get this team to the conference finals to face the Lakers, Tommy, it's a big blow to him. Big blow. Yes, it is. I mean, it really shouldn't, in a way, because of what he's accomplished already. But, uh, yeah, it is. It'd be a big disappointment and a big blow. What, like, I'm looking through the years, you know, we were, do you know what this franchise was originally? Do you know who oh, they the, were? The Buffalo Bill, Buffalo Braves. Yeah, exactly. The Buffalo Braves. Yeah. Um, Which with, was a fun team to watch. Oh, of course with, it was. With uh, McAdoo. Bob McAdoo and Ernie D. Gregorio. Randy I Smith. Mean, Ernie D. Pe- people have no idea how much fun Ernie D. was to watch play and how great McAdoo was then. Uh, I mean, so, uh, yeah, I loved watching the Buffalo Braves play. Yeah, Randy And then they became, the, the, then they moved to San Diego. That's right. Moved to San Diego. Um, real quickly, yeah. when they were the Buffalo Braves, I think I've mentioned this, or maybe we've talked about it before. It reminds uh, I think something's reminding me that we've talked about it before. But they played the Bullets in, in, in the playoffs in 1975, the year the Bullets went to the finals and lost to Rick Barry and the Golden State Warriors in four straight. And it was just a, it was a seven-game series, and it was a showdown between McAdoo and the Big E. And McAdoo had a 50-point game, and the Big E had like a 46-point game in the series. But it was just it – was, it was a great NBA playoff series. But the, when they moved to L.A., um, they, 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 they were terrible for so long. I mean, they had – a stretch of many years with barely making the postseason, um, never winning. Uh, they, they never. I think they didn't win their first playoff series until 2006 as the LA Clippers. Um, but they've been a decent team, you know, in recent years, depending on the the mix of players. And but this is the team that Doc Rivers and the Clippers expected to contend for a title. Now, go back to the end of the uh, regular season, go back to pre-pandemic, and they were coasting and they were sitting players and Kawhi Leonard was, you know, on a minutes, you know, management schedule um, and they were biding their time until they got to the postseason. And I really felt watching the NBA before the pandemic, because who knew what was going to happen in the Orlando bubble, that it was the Clippers and the Lakers. And that was the de facto NBA championship. Um, I even felt that way with Milwaukee cruising. And as it turns out, I, I was right about Milwaukee. I, I just want to see this series. I want to see Clippers-Lakers, so I hope the Clippers win tonight. They're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. That's a lot of points, you know, considering they've lost the last two games. Um, I think I like them to win the game. Um, I don't like them minus the seven-and-a-half. I'm not going to play it, but I hope they get through this. Uh, I'd love to see them play the Lakers. With that said, the Nuggets are fun to watch. They really are. Uh, but anyway... Um, most of you really don't care about that. Do you have anything else, or are we done for the day? I think we're done for the day, boss, except uh, I've got to figure out a way for you to read what I – to pay attention to me. Cut and to paste To hear it. me. To listen to mm. me when I, ta- when I tell you something, when I send you something. You know, you know what I need to be better at? I need to be much better at allowing you to express yourself. 
I really have to coach up much better and just give you the chance to be able to express yourself because you haven't had that ability in the past. And the Washington t- this, buddy. <laughs> um, uh, cut and paste it and email it to me. Can you, I mean, now I got to pay for it the rest of the month. You know, we're only on on September fifteenth. That tells you how many times I've clicked on you your for, columns. Did you did you find the original email I sent you? Yes, last I did. Night? Yes, I did. But it makes me okay. pay. It makes me pay. You, when you click on that link, it still makes you pay. It does. I just did it while we were on the show. All right. I find that difficult to believe. But okay. Uh, what do you mean you find it difficult to believe? You, you think I'm making it I, up? I don't. I, I, yeah, I do. I, I swear to God. I, I, I swear to God. Hold on for a second. I'll go do it again. It's right here. Uh, you know, first of all, what you sent me, you didn't send me a link. You just sent me the URL, and I, I've, I've got to cut and paste the URL um, okay. into it. I okay. mean, you don't know how to send a link to anything. Jesus, God. So I paste it, I, uh, and here we go, and it pops up with the subscription fees. A dollar, um, a dollar a month for digital. I can get six sixty seven okay. for the paper and oh, a dollar for monthly digital, six sixty seven for annual, and I can get the print and digital. Is there a print version of the Washington Times? Of course there is. <laughs> Probably at your local Seven Eleven. Oh, really? I haven't you seen. You know, you were so clueless. I haven't okay. seen a print <laughs> edition of the Washington Times in a, a couple of years. Sixteen dollars and twenty-five cents per month for print and digital of the Times. Yeah, which is a hell of a deal, by the way. But listen to me. What? You need to find an email that I sent to you on uh, yesterday at three o four p.m. that says Lavero game column. 3.04 yesterday. Yes. Um, With the header that says Lavero Game Column. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one I just told you. I just, I, I, that's the one I'm... And what's it say? The, what's wa- it say? the Washington football win over the Eagles was a reflection of the difference in the coaching staff under Ron Rivera compared to the Jay Gruden tenure, which always had the smell of a one Loudon hangover. My column, NFL, and then you've got the, you've got the URL... What? Click on that. You can't click. You didn't you didn't allow it to be clickable. Yes, I did. No, I'm you didn't. On it right now. I I'm not able to click on it. I have to cut and paste and put it in. You didn't what do What are you talking about? What do you mean what am I talking about? I I'm t- I'm explaining it to you. It's not it's click not it. it's not lit up in it's not blue where I can just click. It's in black print. I have to cut and, and I have to copy well, it and paste that's it. That's not how I sent it. You know, you're, you're, you're really, you're hopeless. <laughs> I'm going to send it again. Go ahead. Send I'm going to send it again send, to you. Send it again right now. Okay? Send okay. it again to me right now, and let's see what happens. Okay. They're genius. Okay. Um, this is so much fun for people listening. I'm sure it is. I, I don't. Send it quickly, though, because. I just sent yes, it. Yes, you did. Okay. Same thing. Not a blue link. Well, on this, on my, in my sent file, it's a blue link. Okay, it's not where I have it in front of me, so you're doing it incorrectly. All right, we're done. I don't for, think I am. We're done for the day. Uh, you're doing it incorrectly. You're the one who calls timeouts when you don't have it. <laughs> this is true. I'm back tomorrow. Cooley will do his film breakdown of the football team's win over the Eagles on Sunday, right here on the podcast tomorrow. See you, Tommy. All right, boss.